Let me start with a question this morning. Uh, if you had to think about it, would you like to make any changes in your life? Would you like to make any changes in your life? Let's ask for a show of hands, okay? So most people, most people, I think if we were honest, we would all like to make some changes in our lives. It's really part of how God has made us. Uh, some of the things we would like to do better or have more of something in our lives. Other things, perhaps we'd like to have less of something in our lives or we'd like to stop doing something in our lives. And so there's all kinds of changes that we might like in our lives. Of course, many of us do New Year's resolutions every year. That's been a ways off. And of course, studies show that most New Year's resolutions by the end of February are toast, basically. Uh, we try to do new things. And the sad fact is most of our res resolutions never really get accomplished. But I believe that God desires for each of us to see some changes in our lives, positive changes, changes that will draw us closer to him. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. My message is entitled Life Change Secrets. I believe God has secrets that he wants to share with us, secrets that can change our lives. And those who seek after God can discover the secrets and will find treasures that he has for us that can lead to life change. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 says, and you can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that he is revealing to the reader of, well, 1 Corinthians right here, things that God had revealed to him, things that were secret, things that were hidden wisdom. And Paul shared those things as he wrote what God inspired him to write 2,000 years ago. And other writers of the Bible shared the secrets that God had revealed to them as they wrote at different time periods and in different places. But those secrets that were written down in God's Word were not just for the people that were of Paul's day. They were for us today as well, 2,000 years later. So how can we access God's secrets? Well... We have to seek after those secrets. The Bible often refers to these secrets as hidden treasures. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And so this promise that Jesus uh, gave us here refers to not just any asking, seeking, or knocking. I mean, you can ask for the wrong things. You can seek after the wrong things, but this is seeking after the right things, seeking after the hidden secrets and wisdom of God. And when we seek after God and the things that he has for us, this first promises that we are going to find. When we seek after good things, when we seek after God's kingdom, we're going to find it. He's going to open the doors that we're knocking if we keep on knocking. And of course, where are God's secrets to be found? We've already talked about it. They're found in God's Word. They're found in the Bible. But you know, things aren't so simple. There's 
many people that read the Bible, but don't discover the secrets. Of course, we saw that in Jesus' day. There were the scribes and Pharisees who were expert in the whole Old Testament law. They could recite it. They had it memorized. And yet they didn't find the secrets that were hidden therein. They didn't realize that Jesus was the Messiah, even though the whole Old Testament said he was coming and what he would be like. They missed out on those secrets. And so how are we going to uncover the secrets in God's word is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that God has given to us to understand and put into practice the secrets of God's word. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 says, These things, these secrets, this hidden wisdom, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And so these secrets that are in God's word are revealed to us by and through the Holy Spirit. He is the one who can help us to understand what God's word is saying. He is the one who can lead us forward to put God's word into practice in our lives and so reap the benefits. So today we're going to look at what I consider one of the most profound teachings of Jesus in, in all of the Gospels that's going to help us learn some of the secrets of of life change. The first question we want to ask ourselves as we begin is what kind of heart do I have? What kind of heart do you have? We're going to begin in Luke chapter 8 verse 5 and Jesus begins and says, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. So this begins a parable of Jesus that Jesus said was the most important of all his parables. He said, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the other ones? So this is a key parable to understand. It's often referred to as the parable of the sower. Uh, those are just headings that somebody has written in the Bible that's not in the original. And to be honest, there is a sower and there's some things we can learn about the sower that we're going to talk about this morning, but primarily this parable is about four different kinds of soil on which the sower sows his seed. So in the second point today, we're going to study Jesus' interpretation of the parable. In the first point, we're going to look at the parable itself. But for the purposes of this point today, right now, I'm going to give you a hint at what some of the aspects of the parable, what their interpretation was. Each kind of soil represents a heart, different kinds of hearts in different people. So each kind of soil that we're going to be studying represents a different type of heart in different people. Now in Jesus' day, sowing was not done with great farm machines. It was done by hand. The sower would go around with a bag of seed. He'd reach into the bag and he would, he would cast that seed. And the fields were not nicely plowed fields as we have today, as he cast the seed, the wind would blow and some would blow on different types of soil. The seed was just broadcast. The first type of soil, as we read in verse 5, he went out to sow his seed as he sowed some fell on the, along the path and was trampled underfoot. 
and the birds of the air devoured it. So the first type of soil that Jesus is talking about was a path in which people had walked, perhaps even animals, for a long time. It was hard packed. It was not soft. And when the seeds landed on this pathway, they just lay on the surface. And no matter what happened, the seed could not penetrate this hard packed path. And as they laid there, the birds came along, gobbled up the seed, and it was gone. And so this seed or this soil represents a hard heart. We're going to talk more about that as we go on. So as this seed was sown on this pathway, it did not fulfill the purpose of a seed. What is the purpose of a seed? It's to germinate, to grow, and eventually create a harvest or produce a harvest. This uh, soil did not produce any harvest at all. As we go on, in verse 6, it said, Some, some seed fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. So the next type of soil is, was rocky soil. It was a soil in which there were a lot of rocks within it. There obviously was a, a little soil with the rocks underneath. And so when the seed fell on the soil, it, it penetrated this thin layer of soil. It germinated. It began to grow. But the rocks beneath it stopped the roots of the seed from going down into the soil below. And so it prevented the uptake of nutrients. It prevented the uptake of water. And without that, these, this little seedling plant withered away and died. The next kind of soil was a soil that was infested with weeds. There were no rocks there, but there were weeds, thorns, Jesus said, thorns to be exact. Now the soil in this thorny patch was certainly better than the hard-packed path. It was, it was better than the rocky soil. But the problem was, as the seed hit this soil in the thorny patch, it germinated, it began to grow, its roots began to go, go down, but all around it were these thorn plants that were growing faster and thicker than this little seedling. And eventually they smothered this plant, choked it out, and in this third type of soil, the little plant died. So we've had three types of soil so far. Verse 8, some fell onto good soil, this is the fourth soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So let's review. So far, before this soil, we've looked at three types of soil. In the first case, the seed did not even sprout on the hard-packed path. In the next two cases, the seed sprouted, which will become important, but Later, it died. In fact, in all of these first three types of soils, not a single seed on these soils produced a harvest, which is what the seed was supposed to do. So finally, we come to this good soil. The, the seed fell on this good soil. It sank down into it. The good soil did not have rocks, which prevented the roots from going down deep. They did not have weeds or thorns that would choke out any new seedling, and so 
the seed in that soil germinated, grew and grew and grew and eventually produced a harvest. Now, what does a harvest consist of? More seeds. That's what a harvest consists of. Not just one seed, not one for one, not one for two, but one for a hundred. And so every seed that was sown in the good soil, it produced a hundred more seeds. Which, of course, in turn could have been sowed on other soil. So Jesus encourages his listeners at the end. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so as we look at these different types of soils, we need to ask ourselves the question, what, what kind of soil characterizes my heart? As we said already, the soils represent different kinds of hearts that people have. And Jesus is going to tell us as we go on that the seed is the word of God. And so the kind of heart that a person has is determined by how they respond to God's word. Now each of the four kinds of hearts heard as we're going to see God's word. But they responded differently. A hard heart doesn't make any, any type of effort to respond to the demands or teaching of God's word. The rocky and thorny hearts, they initially receive God's word. They begin to believe, but over time the life of God is choked out in them. Now, undoubtedly, most of the people in the second two categories of soil Rocky soil and thorny soil probably still consider themselves believers. Look back at the day, they made some type of commitment, think they're headed for heaven, but they're headed in the opposite direction. But finally, we have the good heart. Not only does God's word penetrate that heart, they make sure that it stays there. Make sure I'm on track here. They make sure it stays there, and we're going to talk more about that as, as we go on. And contrary to all the other hearts, and this is very important, the good heart, the good soul, produces an abundant harvest. So we need to ask ourselves, what kind of heart do we have? Now, of course, life is even a little more complicated than these four soils, right? Nobody has perfectly good soil, right? Might have a few rocks. Might have a few thorns. But we want our hearts to be more like that good soil. So, the next question is, what, what is our response to God's word? Because that is really what determines what kind of soil our hearts has. So, Jesus begins to interpret the, this parable in verse 10. He said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. So this parable reveals to us secrets of the kingdom of God. This parable really is, in my opinion, the most profound of all the parables. We could probably teach on it for months. Uh, there are so many things here and how it relates to the other scriptures, but we'll only talk an hour this morning, or probably not, probably not an hour, 30, 40 minutes. <clears throat> to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. 
But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So Jesus wants to reveal the secrets of the kingdom to those who are listening to the parable, to those who are hearing. But not everyone who hears is going to understand. Not everyone who hears is going to see the secrets that are hidden within this parable. Not even those who read all of Jesus' interpretation. It's only those whose hearts are good soil who are going to receive and understand the secrets in this parable. So let's look at Jesus' interpretation beginning in verse 11. It says, Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. So those on the path, they heard God's word. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may what? Not believe and be saved. So who is the sower? Well, the sower is certainly Jesus was a sower of the seed of the word of God. The sower was uh, any believer. It was the apostles, other believers, other disciples who spoke God's word, presented God's word to other people. They are sowers. We're going to talk about it later on. We are to be sowers of God's word. And again, it's, it's important to realize that each and every type of soil, each and every person heard the word of God. But since their hearts were hard, it did not penetrate. So the problem was not in the seed. The problem was not in the sower. The problem was in the soil. Since their hearts were hard, the seed could not penetrate. And just to make sure nothing was going to happen in that person's life, the devil came and stole the seed away. What's that mean? He erased it from their memory. They didn't remember it anymore. And so there was no possibility for them to receive God's word. But at the very end, Jesus explains what is the proper response to God's word. It's to believe in Jesus and be saved. That's what did not happen in this first case, in the hard soil. Well, how does Jesus interpret the other two soils? Or three soils. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So now let's think about the rocky soil. The first response, they hear God's word, and they receive it with joy. Oh, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, that's what everyone should do to God. They receive it. They have joy. They receive it with joy. But because of the rocks in their, in their heart, the roots cannot go down deep. It doesn't become embedded in their lives. It does not become embedded in their hearts. Are these people believers? Well, what does it say? They believe. 
right? The problem is they believe for a while. They believe for a while. Only for a while. And when the tests and trials of life come, they fall away. What does that mean? It means they no longer believe. A lot of people have hard times understand, hard time understanding the principle, but a believer is what? Someone who believes. Not someone who has believed. It's someone who believes. That's what a believer is. If you stop believing, you're no longer a believer. And that's what happened here in the rocky soil. The next response to God's word is those with thorny hearts. They also believe for a while. And then it says they go on their way. When I was studying for this message, I, I'd never focused on that phrase before. What's a believer supposed to do? Whose way are they supposed to follow? Jesus' way. But they went on their way. And rather than following Jesus, rather than pursuing what Jesus wanted them to do, what did they do? They went after the cares of the world, the riches, and the pleasures of life. They went in a different direction. External temptations led them astray. And it says that their fruit did not mature. And so at the beginning, the people whose hearts were thorny, uh, the plant, the seed germinated, it began to grow, it began to bear some fruit was more than any of the other soils, but it did not mature. It did not come to completion before the plant was choked out. They fell away. The fruit did not mature, and that plant was not really good for anything. Finally, we come to the last soil, the good soil. Verse 15, as for that, in the good soil, they are those who... Hearing the word, like everybody else, but here's the difference. Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So we see that people with good hearts or good soul hearts respond differently to God's word. They also hear the word of God like everybody else, but here's the difference. They hold the word fast. Other translations say they cling to God's word. They retain God's word. They allow it to, to change their life. They allow its roots to go deep into their lives. They deal with the rocks. They deal with the thorns. They're, those are removed. They have, it says, honest and good hearts. Hearts that believe. Hearts that receive. Hearts that receive and speak the truth. And finally, how do you know who is a good soul person, who is a good-hearted person? They bear fruit. Not just for a short while, but with patience for the rest of their lives. They bear good fruit. The fruit that God desires for us to bear in our lives. And that's a whole other message, what that fruit is. But it's all the good things that God has for us. Now those with the hearts with the first three types of soil do the exact opposite. They do not hold God's word fast. They do not allow it to penetrate deeply into their lives. They do not 
allow it to change their lives. They do not have honest and good hearts, and they do not bear fruit. And so the type of heart that we have is determined by our response to God's Word. Now, some people think that God determines what everybody's type heart is. You know, it's kind of a random thing. God tosses a, I don't know, a four-headed coin in heaven. I don't know what that is, but, it, uh, you know, it's one, two, three, or four, and that's what you get, and you're stuck with that. If you're, you know, if you happen to have a good, good heart, then that's what happens, a hard heart or whatever. Uh, in fact, that's what different theologies teach. You know, God randomly decides who's going to have a heart and who's going to be saved and who's going to fall away and all this kind of stuff. But the good news is that we have a, we have a place to play in what kind of heart we have. We have a personal responsibility of what type of heart we have. The type of heart that we have is determined by our choices. And even better than that, if somebody has a hard heart, that heart can change. If somebody has a thorny heart or a rocky heart, that heart can change. God can change those hearts into hearts that are going to be receptive to God's word. In fact, just having a good heart doesn't save you, does it? Just being good soil until the seed of God's word is planted in that soil, received and grows. So not only does this truth about the different types of soil apply to us who are listening to this message, it also applies to the people that you know. In fact, knowing what kind of heart somebody has may well give you insight, or I would say will give you insight into how to pray for them, how to speak to them, how to witness to them. So that they can change to having a good receptive heart. And so we need to understand the type of hearts we have. What type of things God wants us to deal with so our soil can get even better than it is. And what type of hearts other people have. Somebody you may, you may know may have a hard heart. Totally unreceptive to God's word. We need to pray that that heart would be softened. And we could go on with all the other soils, but ask God what type of heart people have and then begin to pray that that heart would change. Finally, we need to learn and understand and share, learn to understand and share God's secrets. Now this, this was, we've covered the parable. Now Jesus has a few thoughts right at the end here. We're going to look at a couple of them that I believe apply to this parable as well. He says in verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar and puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. And so as a believer, Jesus used different pictures or metaphors to help us understand what we are supposed to do. And so as a believer, letting your light shine <clears throat> and sowing seed to those around you are really the same thing. We must let our light shine in the darkness. And we must continue to sow the seed of God's word to those around us. 
Now, this parable is an encouragement and helps us understand what's going to happen as we witness, as we share the seed of God's word with others. Now, what would we like to happen? We would like to happen as we witness to somebody that each and every person would immediately get saved, fall on their knees, repent, and begin to live a godly life. But this parable tells us, and I'm sure it's not exactly this, but 75% of the people that you share the seed of God's word with are not good soil people. Some are going to be totally unreceptive, 25%. I don't quote, I'm just, simple math, okay? 25% are going to completely reject it right off the bat. Others are going to, hey, there we got one. They believe, they say, they sign a card, they come forward, whatever they do, but it doesn't last very long. And they're back to where they were before. The next type, it lasts longer. But eventually, sin and temptation draw them away from God and they fall away too. So those are the things that are going to happen. But we keep on sowing because someone's going to hit the good soil. And the good soil people are going to believe and be saved forever. We're looking for the harvest of the good soil people. Verse 18, Jesus says, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So responding to God's word is really determining how we hear God's word. We must take care, Jesus says, to how do we hear God's word? Do we hear it carefully? Do we seek to understand it? Do we ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance to understand the secrets therein? Do we allow it to find a place in our lives? You see, if we hear God's word and, and, or read God's word, we hear it on Sunday mornings or read it on our own, and three hours later we have no idea what we just heard, and we make no effort to apply it, that's not what good soil people do. So we want to be good soil people. We must diligently seek to obey God's word, to remember it, and to put it into practice in our lives. Do we sow God's word to those around us? As we do more of that, God will give us more understanding to share more of his secrets with us. And as we're careful what we hear, how we hear, the soil of our hearts becomes more and more receptive. But those who are not careful how they hear the word of God, those who don't put it into practice, their hearts can go the other direction. They can become increasingly hardened. They may eventually fall away. So we must learn to understand and share the secrets of the kingdom of God. So as we talk about moving from the types of soil to being sowers of the word, if you're a believer here today, God has called you to be a sower of the gospel, to sow God's word to those around you. This is not optional. It's not just for preachers, evangelists, or whatever. It's for each and every believer. It's part of the, the harvest that God wants to bring from your life. It's what believers do. Sometimes you sow and it has no impact on someone, and you come, man, I must be doing something wrong. 
I just don't know how to do it. I'm just going to give up. It's just not working. Don't think like that. May well have just been a hard-hearted person. It's going to happen. We could go through all the other ones. Sometimes it's very discouraging when you sow the seed into somebody's life. They say they get saved. Seems to take heart for a while and then they drift away. They stop going to church. They start doing things they shouldn't. Think, man, how did I mess that up? Well, there's nothing wrong in this parable with the seed. There was nothing wrong with the sower. You sowed the seed. You did what God asked. The problem was the soil in that person's heart. Don't get discouraged. Jesus said it's going to happen. This happened with Jesus sowing the word. He had the same results. He's saying this is what happens to anybody who sows God's word. Don't be discouraged. Pray for the people. Continue to sow God's word to every kind of person. Don't just try to find the good soul people. The sower sowed it everywhere. Because we don't always know. We can ask God, but we don't always know what kind of soil a person's heart is. Pray that God would direct the seed to find good hearts, good soil, and bear a harvest, bearing much fruit. So as this is the most important of all the parables, it says it's, it's uh, taught in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, almost verbatim, slight, slight differences. So it's in all the Gospels except John. It's very, very important. But we need to consider how do we seek to and respond God's word? We want to have good hearts. Hearts in which God's word can penetrate, can put down roots, it can grow. Hearts in which as we receive God's word, we don't keep it to ourselves, we sow it, we share it with those around us. So how does a person receive uh, God's word? How do they become a believer? Well, first of all, uh, they need to repent, to turn away from sin in their lives and turn towards Jesus, believe in him, believe in him that he died on the cross to forgive their sins, he rose from the dead, and submit your life to him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now if you'd like to if you're listening online or here in the service, if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to him today, I'd encourage you to do that as we pray. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for the seed of your word that we have heard today. And today I choose to repent, to turn away from the sin in my life and put my faith trust and belief in you, Jesus. I thank you that you died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe that you rose from the dead. You're alive today and I submit my life to serve you as my Lord and Savior all of my days. For those of us who are believers, let's Pray as well. Father, we thank you for this parable. We thank you for this picture that's so easy to remember, but so profound. We pray, God, that 
you would help us to examine our own hearts. If there's any rocks, anything's preventing the, the roots of your word from going down deep, we pray that you'd remove them. If there's any thorns or cares or pursuits of things other than what you want us to pursue, God, we pray that we repent of those things and we pray that you'd remove them from our lives. We want to be good soil people, God. We want to respond to your word the way you desire us to. We want to have ears that hear. And not only hear your word, but allow it to penetrate into the very core of our being. We want to have hearts that are soft, that don't resist your word, that don't try to explain it away, but just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to obey it. And as we understand more and more the secrets of your kingdom, God, we want or we ask you that we would be able to share these secrets with those around us. People with all kinds of hearts. But may we spread your word to each and every one. And we thank you that as we do, some of that seed is going to find good soil. People with good hearts. And that seed is going to grow and produce a hundredfold harvest. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment to Jesus Christ this morning or made a recommitment, we'd encourage you to check a box on the back of your Connect card so we can pray for you. We also have some materials on the table in the foyer that you can pick up as well that will help you. Next Sunday, we're going to continue in the Gospel of Luke with a message called Defeating the Enemy. So I'd encourage you to come back and invite a friend. We're going to have a brief time now for healing prayer. Uh, our passage in James 5, verse 14. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so God's word tells us if you're sick, uh, he actually commands you to come forward to be prayed for. Uh, that's what he wants. He wants you to be healed. And so we're here to pray for anyone who desires healing uh, at the end of the service personally. And we're going to pray corporately right now for anyone who needs healing in any area of your life whether it's a physical healing of some type of physical ailment, or whether it's a relationship issue, a financial issue, a job issue, God wants to bring healing. Healing is taking something that's broken or injured and making it whole and healthy. And that can apply to all kinds of areas of our lives. So we're going to pray right now. I'd encourage you to pray along with me. I'm just going to raise my hand to heaven or my hands to heaven to call on God knowing that I am Approaching him, believing that he's going to hear our prayers, I encourage you to lift your hands too and pray along with me. Father, today we pray for those who need a healing touch by the Spirit of God. We believe that you're a God who heals, and today we pray for healing, physical healing of all kinds. We pray for those in our midst who are having troubles with spine issues that cause pain 
whether it's in the lower back, upper back, neck, whatever it is, God, we pray for your healing touch to bring release to the nerves or whatever is pinched. Restoring of discs that may be degenerated in Jesus' name. We pray, God, for your touch on other diseases that are inflicting people to die. We pray for healing from any type of cancer in Jesus' name. We pray, God, for healing for anyone that is have problems in their their legs, God, in Jesus' name, that you would strengthen those legs in the name of Jesus. Any problems with feet, in Jesus' name, we pray for complete healing in the name of Jesus. We pray for those who, any difficulties with finance, God, that you would resolve those issues. Any job issues, God, we pray that you would bring new jobs that would be the jobs that you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray. And finally, God, we pray for healing of anxiety and fear. People who are overwhelmed with stress. God, remove that and put your peace into their hearts and lives. We pray for people who are so anxious and fearful about sharing the gospel, sharing your word. They're afraid what other people might think. They're afraid what it might do to their relationships. It's all about fear, God. We pray that you'd remove that fear and give them a holy boldness to share your word. The lives of people around them that they care for would be touched and changed by the power of the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.